edition of the Varian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you the flagship show. I know, it's weird, right? I've been on the flagship show two weeks in a row now, probably getting sick of hearing my voice. But somehow, some way, none of the other podcasters were available from Bavarian Football Works. So for BPW, you have me. Now, you might be asking, where did they all end up? Well, with I Need No Name, he's got some kind of ear thing going on where he did not want to record. My theory on this, and hear me out, is that he was trying to recreate that scene with John Cusick from Say Anything. He was outside some young lady's house, probably with a boom box there, but instead of blaring out in your eyes by Peter Gabriel, he let loose with some of his own work from Bavarian podcast works. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to guess it did not impress the lady that much. And that's why he's home sulking with his sore ear. I guess I'm just kidding, of course, with that, but who knows as for Tom, I don't know. Did he elope? I haven't heard from the guy on Bavarian podcast works for a while. He's still our tweetmeister, still writing for the site, but uh, he uh, he has been a busy guy lately. And of course, with Samarin, Schnitzel, Fergus, I mean, I don't want to tell you guys this. It's sort of a secret. It's been in the background, but they are involved in an international meth ring and they might be in some trouble. So I don't know if we'll be hearing from them for a while either, but either way, you got me, right? It's not so bad, is it? I don't know. Maybe it is. But yeah, I, I actually am looking forward to those guys getting back in the mix because I love listening to them. And uh, to be honest, it's great actually working with them too. So hopefully their schedules free up and we can get them back on the BPW airwaves soon enough. But there's a lot going on. And most importantly, at least for me this week, are the Germany friendlies. Now you might think, you know, this is crazy transfer season. There's a lot going on with Bayern Munich, but I am really interested in what's going on with Germany and how Hansi Flick is going to get this team ready for the Euros next summer. And if you have followed what Flick has done of late, it's been a little bit crazy. And his squad selection for this round of games has been criticized. It's been scrutinized. But to me, there are a lot of sane picks that he made, but there are also some ones that were a little puzzling. So let's rip right through the roster for this international group of matches. He has Bern Leno, Mark Andre Terstegen, and Kevin Trapp as the goalkeepers. In the defense, he's got Matthias Ginter, Robin Guzens, Benjamin Heinrichs, Tilo Kerrer, Lucas Klosterman, David Rahm, Antonio Rudiger, Nico Schlotterbeck, Malik Tiao, and Marius Wolf. In the midfield and attack, we have Julian Brandt. Emery Chan, Nicholas Fulkrug, Leon Goretzka, Ilkay Gundogan, Kai Havertz, Jonas Hoffman, Joshua Kimmich, Jamal Musiala, Leroy Sané, Kevin Shade, Timo Werner, and Florian Wirtz. Now, a couple of quick notes on some things. We do know that Ilkay Gundogan, who just won the Champions League with Manchester City, will not be available to the 14th. Same for Robin Guzzins, who was on Inter Milan, who lost to Man City. So they are both out for a couple of more days. Timo Werner is battling a bit of an injury right now, so he may not play in the first match. But this is a very interesting group. And the fact that they have three matches over the course of this week where they'll be playing the Ukraine on June 12th, Poland on June 16th, and Colombia, you know, the natural rivalry that the Germans have with the Colombians on June 20th, it does give Hansi Flick a chance to experiment a little bit 
and use some of the players that he called up and just to see what he has in them. What we do know is that Flick is going to shift to a back three, and we are really going to have to see what that looks like. Is it going to be more of a 3-4-3, which I hope we don't see, or is it going to be more like a 3-4-2-1 or a 3-4-1-2, which I'm leaning towards wanting to see one of those formations. We saw Julian Nagelsmann actually deploy that with Bayern Munich with what I thought was some good success. I thought he was on the right track with what he had figured out about the team. But unfortunately, he got sacked, so we never really got to see the end result of that. But I do think that inspired Flick to try the formation with Germany based on the talent that he has. Now, you might be asking yourself, well, what happened with Nicolas Sula? What happened with Marco Royce? Where Serge Gnabry? Well, Gnabry, we know, is hurt. What about Yusofa Mokoku and Karim Adeyemi? Well, I believe they were both a little bit banged up there in the second half of the season. I don't know if that's exactly why Flick didn't call them up. Uh, so th that Dortmund duo, as talented as they may be, uh, probably does need a little bit more seasoning. But either way, I think they both had some kind of lingering injuries, which may have affected his decision to call them up. But we did find out this week with Nicholas Sula that Flick is not really happy with him. And we saw some of this back when Flick was at Bayern, where he and Sula were not on the same page. And Sula is a player who has some great physical traits. He is big physically. He's a tall man. He's strong. And he's he's quick. He is very quick. And it's not like quick for a guy his size. He actually can move. And, and you know, his mobility is so good that Bayern was able to use him as a right back at times. Sula, though, does have issues with focus, and part of that is keeping himself in the top level of fitness. Now, over the course of time, yes, there have been the fat stories, the uh, quote-unquote fat stories. We always have fun with them because it's always ludicrous to us as lay people when journos are publishing stories about professional athletes being fat when, you know, like Sula could smoke any journo I know in a race. <laughs> And probably, you know, outlift them too when it comes to weights. But either way, uh, it was very curious. And we did find out this week that Flick's unhappy. Flick is expecting more from him. And I do hope that this gives Sula a little bit of a wake-up call. Because the guy does have, in my mind, untapped talent. And we saw really good glimpses of that with Bayern Munich, what he could be. But unless he commits himself to achieving that maximum level of fitness and having a true focus on his career, he's not going to get to where Flick and others probably think that he can get. And it's unfortunate, but I think it's a, it's a lesson to be learned and that hopefully Sula can channel this and bring himself back into the mix because I think Germany is going to be able to use him, especially if they're shifting to this back three. And with that back three, we are seeing some very interesting Rumors and combinations of players, what Build is predicting uh, for the first match. And I've got Build and Sky and what they predicted for the starting 11. We do know that Kevin Trapp will play goalkeeper. We do know that Nicholas Fulkrug will be on the field in some form or fashion. When it came to the center backs, though, Build had listed Antonio Rudiger, Matthias Ginter, and Nico Schlotterback as the potential center backs starting. Whereas... Sky Sport had Lucas Klosterman in for Ginter. So interesting choice. I think Klosterman, especially in a back three, is a great selection because he's, uh, I guess he's about 6'1", 6'2". 
He's extremely fast. Did you know he was a sprinter in his youth? That's a story I've told a million times, but I thought that was very interesting about him is that he was actually a world-class sprinter coming through the ranks until he decided to focus on football. Uh, Schlotterbeck, I thought, had a, a good season for Dortmund. Uh, and Rudiger, of course, has been Germany's best center back over the past, well, I guess, two to three years. So, you know, a lot of these make sense. Ginter, of course, you know, I thought he had a very good season with Freiburg. So I think among those four players, you can get three good center backs, rotate them in, which I, I do think Flick is going to do over the set of three games that he has here. Wing wing backs, that's the position that scares me when we hear Flick talking about transitioning to this formation. David Raum has not made those progressions at our Bay Leipzig that you would hope that he would have. He's got a lot of talent, most of it offensive talent, uh, which makes him very similar to Robin Guzzins, who he would be directly competing with once Guzzins does return. They're very similar. I think Guzzins is it may be a little bit more explosive. Raum may be a little bit more technical, but either way, uh, they both have good attributes. They both can affect games when they're on, and then they can also be awful when they are off. And it does really worry me to have to depend on either one of those two when I don't think they've been able to consistently show what they can do yet. As for Marius Wolf, he, he continues to amaze me because he's got a lot of good physical traits. Uh, that you would want if you're going to experiment with this kind of formation. I don't know if he's got the requisite level of talent, though, to man that right wing back position and to be one of Germany's best 11 players. I don't even think he's remotely, I don't think he's in the top 20. And I, uh, this is coming from someone, I actually do like him as a player, but I don't see how there's any way you can put him as an option there and feel confident about it. But when you look at some of the other options that are out there, I mean, well, it's not good. Benjamin Heinrichs, I think is terrible. Tilo Kerr, I think arguably is worse. I guess you could convince me that Jonas Hoffman could go out and play there. And I think Hoffman's a very solid player. I think when he's had to play that right back or right wing back position. I think he's done okay. He hasn't been great, but uh, is he any worse than Marius Wolf? I, I don't think so. But either way, it seems like that's the way Flick is going to go. In the midfield, it looks like he is at least for the Ukraine match is going to use Emery Chan as his holding midfielder and Yashua Kimmich as someone who will play a little bit more advanced, at least if you believe the graphics that Sky Sport and Build put out there. What I find very interesting about this, and this is not a knock on Emery Chan because he actually had a very good season for Borussia Dortmund, maybe the best season he's had in a long time. Uh, but what struck me as odd about this pairing is that we just saw an interview with Flick where he talked about the merit of using Joshua Kimmich as a number six. He doesn't understand why Bayern would not think that Kimmich could play the six. Then Flick turns around just a few days later and is not going to play Kimmich at the six, which to me is maddening because I think if I was going to manage this squad, Kimmich would be my six and you could debate forever who's going to be the eight. Could it be Goretzka? Could it be Julian Brandt playing in a slightly maybe deeper role than he's used to? Could it be Ilkay Gundogan when he comes back? Could it be Hoffman considering 
uh, how he's played in the past. Could it be Jamal Musiala? It could be anybody. They have a lot of candidates that they could use at the eight. But instead, Flick falling victim to what Thomas Tuchel is falling victim to is going to play Kimmich in a more advanced role at the eight, at least from what we can tell so far. Maybe this will all be reversed and not even relevant. But what the projected lineups are being, what they are showing right now is that Kimmich is the eight and Emery Chan is the six. It'll be interesting to see over the course of these three games what Flick does in the midfield. He certainly has some options, and we know that he likes to mix things up. In the attack, it's also very interesting. We know that Nicholas Fulkrug is going to play one of the three roles up top, and whether this looks like a front three or uh, a one attacking midfielder and two strikers or two attacking midfielders and one striker, we don't know yet. What Bill thinks it will look like is Jamal Musiala at the 10 and Nicholas Fulkrug and Kai Havertz playing as a dual striker threat. Um, I'm not completely opposed to that. Uh, and here's why. I think Musiala hopefully has gotten back on track given that he had basically a season-saving goal for Bayern Munich there in, in their final match to help clinch the title. Full Krug, I think, just deserves to play. I mean, he had a good Bundesliga season. He was money for Germany uh, during the World Cup when he got an opportunity. And Kai Havertz, I thought, of all the players at the World Cup, was able to show himself as well. I know he was a little bit sick uh, early in the World Cup, but when he did get a chance to play as well uh and at least make an impact i thought he he did extremely well for himself now we know that flick likes timo Werner, as do i i've been a hashtag timo time fan for a while i know that's like you know probably shouldn't say that uh get chased out of town with pitchforks and torches but either way i do like Werner. i think in this kind of system if if it is truly one attacking midfielder and two strikers it would benefit Werner because he could work those wide spaces and start to break things down from the outside while having Musiala and players like Kimmich also run into the box to be with Fulkrug uh, and vice versa. When, when Werner's on the weak side, he would be able to operate in the box as well. We know how fast he is. We know his quickness in the box. Uh, that's never been an issue. Uh, what has plagued him in recent years has been his propensity to go offside. And also he, quite frankly, does not score as many as he should because his finishing hasn't been great. So again, Flick has a lot of different options to use here. What exactly he's going to do, we don't know yet, but we do know he's got that roster. He's leaning toward a back three formation, and he is going to mix things up over the course of these three games. But what really are we going to learn about Germany during this? It's not as if they've got three top caliber opponents that they'll be matching off with but that's a good thing <laughs> and here's why this germany team is not ready they're not comfortable under flick right now just when it looked like they were building towards something under flick things fell apart uh, he had some players not available for the world cup that he was going to count on he, it just turned into team turmoil once again of course, if you want to even dig deeper, there was some animosity and distraction among the team because they didn't either, one, want to protest certain things, two, uh, couldn't get on the same page about how to protest, and three, 
just completely weren't aligned. And it did become a talking point that took them away from preparation. And I don't care whether they protest or not. It doesn't bother me. It it really has no effect on me. If they want to protest, they feel strongly enough about it. Great. If they didn't, fine. But either way, if you're taking away your preparation because you can't get, you know, 22 players or whatever it was to agree on how to do it, maybe you need to rethink what your priorities were in that situation. And that should have been trying to win games. So I don't know from that standpoint, if Germany's still in, in a malaise, that they're still not unified, that they still can't get it together, who knows? This will give us an opportunity to see that. But we do need the focus for them to be on trying to adapt to Flick again after they had made those strides. Now they have to get it back together under him. They have to figure out this formation and he has to figure them out. Who's going to work? Who's going to be able to stay? Who's going to be a valuable part of a very important Euro 2024 team that right now, man, it does not look good for Germany's chances. It really doesn't. You know, with the new regime that DFB has in, you have Rudy Voller, you have new ideas coming in. And as much as I think everyone likes and respects Hansi Flick, he had the team in going in the right direction. And then it just fell off the table and he has not figured out how to get it back yet. The performance at the World Cup was, it, it was unforgivable in a lot of ways. Uh, you can't have the types of performances they had where you come out flat, you come out hapless, you don't have solutions. It was very similar to 2018 under what we saw with Yogi Love and that set everyone on fire. And as soon as this happened with Flick at this past World Cup, so many people turned on him. And like, while I'm still one of those hashtag stick with flick guys from way back in the day when, it, when his job was sort of in doubt with Byron, when he was just an interim coach, even I right now, I'm having some doubts that he's going to be able to figure this out with this German team. There are some inherent flaws. They don't have a world-class number nine. We know that, or at least a true target man type number nine that's world-class. I like full Krug. I think he's efficient in front of the net. You need people to get him the ball. Will this help with that? Maybe. I like Werner, but is he going to be a guy that's going to find the consistency needed with his finishing to really be a key part about uh, for the team? And Kai Havertz, he is, again, unlimited potential. Can he do it? Now, the one thing I do want to say, and I think this is something that all Germany fans can agree on, if this does end up looking more like a 3-4-2-1, who in the hell doesn't want to see Florian Wirtz and Jamal Musiala playing together just to see what that looks like? Now, I know they both play the same position, but in this particular formation, you can get away with it. So I'm eager to see if Flick decides to do that. To me, that is the key, because when you look further down the road, I don't see Thomas Muller being a consistent starter for Germany at the Euro 2024 competition. He might still have gas in the tank to do it, and maybe he starts a game or maybe even two. But I think when push comes to shove, by that point, Musiala and Verts will both have another year under their belts. They'll be ready to take the positions to own them and hopefully they can figure out a way to play together. The caveat is we do know that Thomas Muller can play with Jamal Musiala, and we do know that in that formation, a 3-4-2-1, it can be very successful. So while I'm not going to rule Thomas Muller out, 
it does seem as though this is the turning point where we're going to see Germany start to look toward its two young stars to see if they can take the mantle, they can carry the banner for Germany moving forward. But Flick is he's running out of time to figure this out. He's not going to get much more. This Euro competition is so important. And if he cannot get good results, if Germany looks hapless, lifeless, if they look like they don't have energy, the heat's going to be on Flick. And if they, as much as these are just friendlies, if they can't pull two out of three wins from these, now they should get three out of three, no question. But if they don't, I think that doubt that's been seeping into Germany's fan base is just going to to grow and fester. And people are going to get even more angrier than they are. Is that even a word? Is that even the proper phrase? I don't know. But they're going to get more angry, I guess, than they already are. And that's what scares me because I think for a lot of people, Flick has a short leash. And I don't know that he's going to push the right buttons given this cast of characters that he has to be able to get things to work properly. I mean, you could look at this team and all the different combinations he could use, but if he continues to lean on players like Benjamin Heinrichs, if he continues to bring in Tilo Carrer, if he brings, listen, I like Timo, but if he continues to push Timo and Timo doesn't get his finishing or his movement in order in the final third, He's going to end up costing himself the job. And, and you could go on and on about any number of players who, who have scuffled. Uh, if, if Nico Schlotterbeck you know, continues to make mistakes as he has under Flick, it's going to be an issue. And while Schlotterbeck has, has grown, his game has been expanding and evolving over the course of this season, he's got a lot of heat on him. And, and just so does everyone. Every player on this Germany roster has a target on them. And they're going to need to pull together. They're going to need to show energy. And they're going to need to pick up three wins if they want people to get back on the train. And I think more than anything, that's what Germany needs right now. They need three strong performances to get people back and believing in them and getting all of this headed in the right direction because Flick doesn't have time. Many of these players are running out of time. And that Euro is, man, it is just a year away. And to think that all of this can get back and looking good in that time, I just don't know if it can happen. Either way, though, I will be watching. Now, some of the other big news that's been going on has really revolved around Bayern Munich and their transfer window. And it led me to think, because as I said at the beginning of this, when when I do the weekend warm-up, it is mostly focused on the news. So I'm mostly talking about the transfer rumors and what we see every week are different names being linked to Bayern Munich, some closer links than others, but it all had me thinking, what if Bayern strikes out? What if they don't get the players they need? What happens? And the more I thought about it, the more realistic some of these possibilities are. I mean, if you look at Declan Rice, Everybody wants Declan Rice at Bayern Munich. Declan Rice has been rumored to at least have some interest in Bayern Munich. If you're like me, you're extremely skeptical of that, but whatever. Let's just entertain it and go with it. We do know that Arsenal and Rice are are pretty close on a deal. The problem is that Arsenal does not want to pay what West Ham wants them to pay. So there's a little bit of doubt there, but in the end, we all know this is going to get done. 
Declan Rice, much like Harry Kane, was nothing more than a pipe dream. You are not getting an English player out of the Premier League in their prime to move to Germany. It's just not going to happen. And I don't know. I look at Rice and I think, yes, if this is the direction that Thomas Tuchel wants to go in and that's the man he wants, you do everything you can to go out and get him. And I think Byron legitimately is doing that. I just think he's unattainable for them. And then you shift your thinking over to the strikers and you look at Randall Kolomuani. You look at Victor Osimhen. You look at Dusan Vlahovic. And I start thinking to myself, it's legitimate that Bayern Munich is going to come out with none of those three. Uh, Osimhen, I mean, his price is rumored to be dropping, but is Bayern going to risk it? Osimhen to me is ex an extremely good player. There are other big name clubs that want him. But I'm not completely sold you're going to get what you need out of him. I, I just I have some doubt with what he's done in the league that that he's done it in. How does that all translate? I, I don't know. And I'm a little worried that if Byron goes out and splurges on him, then things could go awry. Randall Colomani, I haven't seen enough on. Uh, and again, if you're going to ask nine figures for a player like that, similar to Osman. They had better have the profile you need. And just like Osman, I don't know that Kolomwani plays striker the exact way that Bayern Munich wants him to. And maybe this is a flaw at, at Bayern Munich. Maybe they are not targeting the right kinds of players who can be successful. It's nothing to say that Osman or Randall Kolomwani couldn't be successful at Bayern. But if Bayern is looking for a Robert Lewandowski type, someone that's strong in build-up play, someone that can operate centrally, take that beating in the middle, if they can do that. Maybe Kolomuani and Osman aren't those types, but maybe they don't need to be. And this is where Bayern might have to start evolving its thought process because if you can't get the player you want, you might have to change who you are because that kind of player isn't, isn't there anymore. Robert Lewandowski is out there, sure. Erling Haaland, yeah. You're not getting either of those two. Harry Kane, nope, you're not getting him either. So I, I don't know if, if this is a Bayern problem or is this a problem with the transfer window where there just aren't the kinds of players available that Bayern Munich wants or needs. But if we get to the end of this, or at least in the waning days, and Declan Rice is already off and wearing an Arsenal jersey, and we see that Kolomuani isn't going anywhere and that Osimhen's price is too high or he's signed someone else. It would leave Byron with Vlahovic, who I, I have backed a little bit here because I think he at least fits the profile they're looking for. But Byron doesn't, it's been inconsistent to say that they've even had interest in him. We see some reports that say they like him, that Tuchel's pushing for him and others that say he's not even been discussed. So if you get down to that road, and then Byron can't get Vlahovic, and then they have no one, what happens? What happens with the fan base if you're not getting Rice, who you spent a lot of time on, if you're not getting any of those three big striker names that you've been linked to? Who do you get? How do you salvage the transfer window? And I'm starting to get a little bit worried that that's the case, or that will be the case that Byron finds themselves in you know, as we hit August. Will they be in a position where they haven't inked any of those three strikers, where they're still looking for a number six. And then what do they do? Do they go in the panic mode and just overpay for players who aren't of the requisite quality because they need to make a splash? 
Do they look for names who might be available who aren't quite a good who aren't quite a good fit for them? I'm not sure, but I am worried that not having a sporting director is going to hurt them. I'm worried that having limited options for the types of players they want is going to hurt them. I'm also worried that when you lose potentially lose Luca Hernandez and Benjamin Pavar, you really are setting yourselves setting yourself up for for a big issue if Matthias Delict or Diupa Makano get hurt, which we know can happen. So it's not just a defensive midfielder that Byron might need, even though, again, I'll cycle my take back. I want Kimmich at the six. I can survive with Goretzka and Limer at the eight. And I want the three of them rotating. And I'm fine with some games being Goretzka and Limer as the double pivot in the midfield. If Sabitzer can sacrifice his game and adapt to Kimmich, and allow Kimmich to roam free when he needs it. So can Goretzka and so can Limer. They are good players. They are smart players. But the midfielders and the coach have to figure that out. And most of all, I do just want Kimmich to embrace that number six role because I believe he can be the world's best number six if he wants it. Big question is, does he want it? We don't even know anymore. But either way, Tuchel thinks they need this new number six. So great. If you can't get Tuchel who he wants, if you can't get the striker you want, if you're losing two great, possibly losing two great center backs, you have to go out and get another one there. Who are you going to get? How are you going to make this window successful? Can you unload Sadio Mane to help get that salary off your budget? I mean, these are all things I don't know if Bayern Munich's going to get done. Do I think they're going to sign players? Yes. Do I think they're going to sign the right players? I don't know. I'd like to have a lot of faith in Uli Honus and Karl-Heinz Rummenigge and thinking that they're going to be able to do this, they're going to be able to do it well, and they're going to be able to go out and convince some good players to make the move to Bayern Munich. But the game has changed in just the few years that they've been out of it. And as much as Uli has had his hands in things, and as much as Karl-Heinz Rummenigge has paid attention and still been in touch with the team, it's a different world now. It's a different financial landscape. And the transfer market isn't quite the same. While Bayern Munich is surely an attractive destination, Bayern Munich is not the Saudi league where they're throwing people, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. There's that factor, right, that you have to compete against. You've got PSG and Man City and Liverpool and Arsenal and Manchester United. They're all backed by ownership groups that can flood cash in, in into their into their teams. We know that Manchester City's or sorry, Manchester United is going through some ownership structure changes, but you know that it, however that gets sorted out, it's going to be in a good spot. You know that Chelsea has lots of money to spend. It's not easy. Bayern is 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 definitely lagging behind in their ability to lure players to the club. And what I worry about is we get to the end of this window. You don't have the players you want, and then you're settling for whatever's left. And that scares me because Bayern Munich is too strong of a club historically, has too good of a reputation to start taking on afterthoughts and trying to work with them. And I think that's part of what's going on. Now, I do think that they shoot out of their league a little bit when they're trying to get these Englishmen 
who were in their prime to come over to Germany. It's never going to work. But what Bayern Munich has not done that some of these English clubs and Spanish clubs have done, and even French clubs, they're developing young talent. And what they're able to do is either develop that talent so that they reach the senior team, or they sell that talent, make some money off of them, and are able to have extra cash around for when they need to splurge on transfers, to have that little bit of extra money that can convince someone to make the move to your club. So without Byron having that strong farm system or academy, you're missing that part of it too. So I am worried about this transfer window. I'm worried that this is going to set the team up for another lost season where people know there are inherent flaws with the team and that there's no way they're going to be able to win the Champions League. I think most of us felt that way last year when they lost Lewandowski and we kept hearing that Mane was going to be the striker. I don't know many people that thought that was going to work, at least long term. And it didn't. It didn't work. He's definitely not the kind of striker that Byron needs. And with that, it set the stage for me to have these demented thoughts about sort of the same thing happening this year where you might get one player that you need. You might get that center back to be that third starting caliber center back that you need on the roster. But are you going to get the midfielder that Tuchel wants? Are you going to get that striker that everybody in the club is howling for? And I don't know if they're going to. And that's a scary thought for a lot of Bayern Munich fans. And that'll wrap it up for this flagship show. I appreciate you hanging in and joining me on this one. As always, you can get me at the Barrel Blog on Twitter. You can get the site at Bavarian FB Works. You can get our tweetmeister, Tom Adams, at TommyAdams71. You can get I Need No Name, although he won't hear you because of his ear ailment, at BFWINNN. Now, I seriously hope he gets better soon because nobody needs him more than I do <laughs> at BFW. So, uh, hey, appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the Germany matches this week. Hit our site up for all the Germany coverage, all the latest Bayern news as well. We've got it all, and we look forward to interacting with you in the comments or on social media. So enjoy those matches, and we will see you next time.